That said, as you may know, on January 6th, Trump supporters stormed into the Capitol and looted the Capitol. So because of that, we actually wanted to create a segment highlighting the voice of Cameron Bernier, a political science student at the George Washington University. Cam, we are so excited to have you here. If you would like to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, thank you, Ollie. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you about this. Um, my name is Cameron. I'm from Western New York. And like Ollie said, I'm a student of political science and history at GW. And um, I was here and I was in DC uh, when the honestly attempted coup on our democracy occurred. And for me, it was something that really hit home. I've had pretty extensive work experience thus far in my college years with the legislative process and even in the halls of Congress. Um, when I was a sophomore, I interned on the Hill at uh, New York Senator Gillibrand's office on Capitol Hill. And it was a really great foundational experience. And um, I know the halls of Congress like the back of my hands now. And even outside of my work experience directly on the Hill, I have done, um, I worked for a political consulting firm where I dealt with a lot of um, legislative issues and pending uh, legislative uh, bills and such that were coming up. And uh, we helped kind of formulate and advocate for certain things. But long story short, I'm really familiar with the process. And I definitely was awestruck when I saw this attempted coup on the United States Capitol building. Like we live a couple blocks from the Capitol, actually, mm-hmm. and you know it's like two metro. I always get lost in the metro, but it's like two, three metro stops. Um, and so kind of like just seeing that, and like you know, I'm not in DC, but just going and like seeing everybody's videos now, and it's like the National Guard is there because you don't know what's gonna happen between now and like the 2021st when like Biden's inaugurated. Yeah, it was really. It was one of those moments in life that I don't think I'm ever going to forget, and it's something I do wish I could forget, but. Um, unfortunately, I'm never going to. And basically, day of, my friend and I were sitting in our apartment. We were doing some schoolwork, trying to get ahead um, before the semester got really crazy. And her sister actually called and she goes, like, are you guys okay? And we were like, what, what are you talking about? Because we were kind of, we were in oblivion, really. And she's like, well, turn on the news and you might even want to look out your window and see. And we put on the news and we saw these white nationalists storming the Capitol building, breaking down windows, assaulting Capitol Police, all the above. And it was terrifying. And luckily, um, the area I was living in in DC, it wasn't too crazy. There was some MAGA people and we looked out our window and we saw them. Um, and they had their flags and the whole thing. But it was it was really scary and for me, I think it symbolized like the culmination of all the evil of the last four years and how we have had not only a president, but members of Congress who honestly played into the hands of domestic terrorists. And there's no other way to say it. It was really scary. Didn't leave my apartment for 48 hours. And for those of us in DC, we know we don't even have statehood. We, we don't even have someone in the halls of Congress represent us and say this isn't all right this isn't okay and um i think it's something that definitely has to be revisited after the attempted coup and really the takeover of the capital and it's like huge because especially in dc like 
the only person who can call the National Guard is like President Trump. And like, you know, Nancy Pelosi was like begging him to. And kind of like, you know, you see this, like the reaction to this like coup. And then you see the reaction to like the peaceful, like night, like Black Lives Matter protests that were publicized all over the media as like this horrible negative thing where only really only 93% of like 93% of the demonstrations actually were peaceful. So it's like, you see this and you see this like other like quote unquote movement. I don't want to call it that, but like you see this like riot taking place and it's like, you know, the guards are like taking pictures with like the people, you know, women are being escorted down the stairs by police officers. And it's just like, it brings a question like, you know, a lot of people are like, this is not who we are, but it is the foundation of our America. And it's like, you know, all the hatred and racism that we have institutionalized, you know, that is like the depiction of it. Um, and I think it's like really interesting, you know, especially from like your political science perspective, like a lot of people are asking now, like, is America ever going to be the same? Like, you know, what reform is needed? You know, is there ever such a perfect reform or a perfect society that's ever going to achieve this like balance in order for this to ever not happen again or like America to go back to like, you know, how quote unquote it ever was? Yeah, from my perspective, and I, I definitely think I bring an interesting perspective to the table because I'm a student of political science and I'm also a student of history and I in particular have a concentration on British history. And I'm really interested in the early modern period, in particular, the time of the transition from the infamous Tudor dynasty of England, you know, King Henry VIII, Queen Elizabeth, all that, to when Queen Elizabeth died, the Stuarts. And the irony is, I found myself thinking the other day, this regime changed in a monarchical fashion was honestly more peaceful than I think what we're seeing in the leading democracy of the Western world. And that to me is absolutely baffling. It's sickening. And I think overall it represents that America never was perfect. We haven't realized our full potential yet because we haven't dealt with a lot of these institutional and perpetuating issues of racism and classism, and you can freaking name it. Um, and that's something that's definitely, we're all going to have to have a level of self-reflexiveness after what has been happening and who knows what is going to happen and say like, what can we do from here? Because something isn't working. There is still deep-seated hatred. You still have someone that can rise to power like Donald Trump using race baiting and anti-immigrant and anti-LGBTQIA plus and you name it, rhetoric to come to the highest office in the land. And that to me is something that it's telling of the state we're in in our country. And obviously what happened at the Capitol building surprises us all. But as they say, hindsight 2020, when you think about it and you think everything he's been doing for four years, isn't that surprising at all it's not like you know, i saw like a lot of memes actually that i think are funny that's like you know the ask it was like it's kind of like just stares and then like the end it's like supposed to be like thank god it all ends but it's like the climax of like his presidency and like kind of like build up of the like, hatred in his presidency you know when he did run like his entire campaign 26 and was and even now like 2020 was like based on hatred towards like specifically minority groups and when he was elected um 
2016, crimes against immigrants went up by 46%. And everybody's like, oh, like, you know, caught, like, that's a correlation, like, absolutely not, like, you know, causation. And I'm like, well, if you look at it, like, under Obama, that never happened. Under even Bush, that never happened. And now we have President Trump, who a lot of people actually, you know, like, his the way that he handled his presidency, a lot of people compared to the, how Bush handled his presidency, which I think is really interesting. Um, but, you know, even under Bush, like you never saw this magnitude of hatred against, like it's kind of Americans against Americans. Like, you know, we're not united. Um, so I think that's like all within itself, like also really interesting. And, you know, I don't know what how being in DC is now, but like just walking down the street and just having the National Guard everywhere and like sleeping on the Capitol floor is like something that's like shocking, should not be normal in America. It's a police state here. It's what, like, it's really like, it's a complete police state right now. And it's terrifying. There are soldiers everywhere, or National Guard everywhere. And they have roads blocked off walking through campus. There are tanks um, outside of a couple of the dorm buildings, outside of Hunger Hall, where most of us have classes, at least once in our GW careers. And, um, it's really, it's a surreal moment to look and think this is where we are. I mean, it's like, I feel like I keep joking with my friends. I go, is this like a Soviet regime change or something? Like, because that, that's what it seems like to me that our democracy at this point has been so weakened by one individual fueling hatred to his base, throwing red meat to them. And it's scary, but also too, um, we need to figure out the next step of how to make sure something like this never happens again. And this summer I read a book, it was called um, How Democracies Die. And the author- I'm sorry, I love that book. I literally had it, I actually just put it in my, yeah, I put it in my book rack in my closet. Cause I was Mm -hmm. like, I read it in, I think it was like my freshman year and for a class and I completely loved it. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's It's amazing. amazing. By Daniel Ziblatt and Stephen, Levitsky and um basically it like tells like a story in like a historical in a historical fashion and like looking at contemporary cases of how people who are democratically elected to office slowly but surely chisel away on democracy and try to hold withhold power from um democratic processes and kind of just take it all on their own and um, I think that's exactly what we're seeing with the Trump administration. And if he's going down, he is going down with a war. That's how he thinks. And it's really terrifying because it betrays all the core values of what we believe as Americans. And um, I, like I keep saying, we have, some, we have some real soul searching to do. And I do think we're lucky that we have someone like Joe Biden coming to office because Joe Biden is someone who traditionally is a healer. He has spent a lot of his career in the Senate working in a bipartisan fashion, getting people together. He did amazing work as vice president under President Obama um, to kind of bring people together and affect some change. And I'm really hoping that he and um, Vice President-elect Harris, soon to be Vice President Harris, can, can help us heal. Cause I mean, in the midst of all this too, we're going through a pandemic. And of course, I mean, it isn't surprising, but when you saw these white nationalists storm in the capitals, how many masks did you see? Like none, yeah. like none. And I think it's just overall um, symbolic of just the level of ignorance of a lot of these people. 
and um, you can blame them, and they should be blamed. They should be held accountable. But you also have to blame Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell and Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and all these people on the far right for creating the monsters. They literally, there was a flame that was always brewing in American society. I think it's, all, it's been here since day one, this level of ignorance that's racist, that's xenophobic, that is homophobic, all of it. And they decided just to pour more gasoline on it because it gets them votes. And look where we are now. Look where we are now. And actually something that you said was like really interesting because, you know, even with like the, with like, you know, the fueling of individuals, like you see divisions within the very Republican party, right? Like you see, not only like you see the greed and like the power thirsty aspect of a lot of um, representatives, specifically like the Republicans who like, you know, everybody started criticizing Mitt Romney for like not being patriotic, for not standing up for his party and even, you know, Vice President Pence. And simply because he just did inside with Trump and, you know, saw like what is happening was like not only illegal, but it wasn't America, like it wasn't what quote unquote America was supposed to look ideal. And I think that's really interesting that a lot of also comparisons have like alluded to like kind of not only that division, but also all the problems that America has are now world issues, right? So like all of like, or even our biggest enemies and even allies now know what aspects were being weakened and like where, you know, in order for them to like, kind of quote unquote, bring us down, like, you know, where to directly go through. And it's through, they can even use this division that is within America to kind of, you know, bring us down as like this hegemony that we're in, which I think is yeah. like really, you know, powerful and interesting. God. It's also sad too, something you hit on, um, Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping and all these foreign adversaries, um, they're doing cartwheels right now. They love to see this. And it's not surprising because they have played Donald Trump like a fiddle. They ha he has given them everything they want. Um, they, they want a weak, divided America. And that is what you get when you have a man like Donald Trump leading the country. Seeing the mob storm the Capitol building, to me, was something that was, it was surreal, it was sickening, it was disgusting. And it was also, too, I thought to myself while I'm watching it, what do people around the world think? I mean, we are supposed to be a beacon of hope in the international community. We are supposed to be the voice of reason. And, you know, we can argue that for many years hasn't been true, go back to the invasion of Iraq, Vietnam War, whatever. But there was at least some level of unity on the ground, but also when there was disagreement, um, there was different avenues that people in the US went through, even protesting um, to make it known that, you know, we don't agree with this and we don't like what our government's doing. But um, I, when I was watching CNN, one of the commentators made a comment, something to the effect of the Capitol building hadn't been breached in this fashion since I think, I think it was 1814 was the year I could be wrong, don't quote me, but during um, the War of 1812, when the British took, took over the Capitol building, and um, that speaks volume, speaks volume. So what I was actually also going to add to that was, you know, it brings kind of like, there's two things. So the first is 1974, actually, Puerto Ricans marched and stormed into the Capitol, and actually, like, oh, you're with right. weapons, yeah, in order to get, like, Puerto Rican. Um, you're right, like, I remember that. Uh, yeah. 
think like that's really interesting, you know, because like even in 1974, when we did see like Puerto Rican, like Puerto Rican women march into the capital with weapons saying like, you know, we'd either should have statehood or independence. Like it also goes like really interesting because especially being like an immigrant woman, you are, you, do you see anybody internationally specifically in like Latin American countries? Like you see the U S as this beacon of hope of like opportunity and equality. And, you know, you're always fed this, even with what you see on the news, you're always fed this and you always believe it because it's kind of like the idea of hoping your brain, like I can make it in America, but then you get here and you're like, you know, you're assuming all these great things. And then you're kind of taking a step back of like, you know, a lot of the times I'm thinking like, is this the price that an immigrant is going to pay? Like, you know, not being there when your family, like even at a wedding or like a family loss or like walking down the street. And, you know, my mom has a very thick Hispanic accent and a lot of people just assume she doesn't speak English or doesn't understand it because of her accent. Um, and it, all of this kind of just resonates with the idea of like, you know, you come to America seeking hope and equality and just like, a better life but you're just greeted with like a bunch of hatred you know not all the time but like majority of the time you are greeted with a lot of hatred prejudice and inequality just directly at you just for you know not even being born in america it's so true and um i think all these issues especially what you were saying like just the level of xenophobia in this country and being an immigrant and coming here and not being welcomed even though we are a nation of immigrants um it, it has all culminated in this, what we saw at the Capitol building, because these are the people for years that have been eating up the red meat that he's throwing at them that, oh, you know, like how he came out day one and said, Mexicans are racist. And I had the election stolen from me and all these different things. And the rhetoric is dangerous and it is ruining lives on so many levels. Um, and you as a female immigrant, I, I mean, I, I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to live in Trump's America on a daily basis and what you must face. I know as a queer person what it's like, but I have no idea what it is like as someone who was not born and raised in this country and someone who is not white. And that's why we need to start having these conversations and figuring out what are we going to do from here? How are we going to heal and how are we going to be better? How are we going to build back better? Because, listen, Trump has gaslighted a lot of these issues and made an issue even worse, but they were things that were still here, even when Barack Obama was president and George Bush and Bill Clinton and Bush won and all those people. And um, I'm hoping that what happened at the Capitol building was a real wake up for a lot of America that has decided, oh, I'm not interested in politics. I, I don't really care what happens. It's not important to me. Well, it is because it affects people's lives on a daily basis, whether they're people of color, whether they're immigrants, whether they're queer people, whether they're people with disabilities. But now we all got to see those aren't the only people that are being affected. Our, our democracy is being affected. And in turn, every single American is going to be affected. So it's definitely something that we, we need to start talking about. And I'm hopeful that with this new administration, we can start. Yeah, it's, you know, it's having those awkward, uncomfortable conversations with people that, you know, either you're going to be uncomfortable because you're kind of saying, you know, this is how I've been evicted by this country, or they're going to be uncomfortable because, you know, everybody just goes on the defensive when you're saying like, you know, you do call somebody a racist, they're going to be like, I'm not a racist, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they do get very defensive. So it's kind of like, mm -hmm. also as a country, we need to manage how to directly have those conversations with people without them just kind of directly like building up a wall, 
funny. Uh, exactly, like the metaphor. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, kind of like just like literally making a shield and mean like that's not me, that doesn't apply to me without really like looking at their subconscious bias that they, you know, even presently have. There was a study that was also done, like, you know, when a black man walks into an elevator and it's just another white woman, she's more likely to stack towards the back of the elevator and hold her back close to her chest in comparison to the white counterpart. So it's kind of those literally, it looks like a small thing, but it's a huge thing that a lot of people don't even realize they're doing because they just, you know, as a child, even you ingrained into that like ideology. And I think it's like, you know, with specifically with this new administration, it's like, it's really important to have these conversations and make the country aware of what's going on, the reform that we need. I agree. I agree on so many levels. And um, it's just, it's all these, all these conversations are, that need to be had are coming to the forefront. And I think we're finally all talking or starting to talk after we saw the terrorists storm the Capitol building. Cause like I was saying before, and I'll echo what I was saying before, is it, it really is all interrelated because we're all starting to realize that the divisiveness of the past four years is affecting every single person. And every single person, it's affecting everyone in a different way and on a different level, but we need to change and we need to be able to make forward progress in a positive, progressive manner or else. The Republic can only last so long <laughs> with divisions like this. And um, definitely, it's, I'm hopeful for the positive, I'm optimistic for the future, but also to those of us who are progressive minded people and who are advocates of equality and equity. Um, we can never let our guard down and we need to keep pushing forward. Um, because it's people like us on the ground day to day fighting the good fight that, um, that are going to be able to really, really make a change. I completely agree. And with that, I wanted to thank you for coming in today and talking with me about this very important, like, you know, issue that's just not going to go away. Yeah. Um, is, and for the last thing, is there anything that you would like to tell our audience um, to either as a main takeaway or like how they may kind of just help with what's going on, like, you know, help to reform our democracy? Talk, just talk with people. I'm someone who's very politically involved and politically engaged and not all my friends are like that. And I still will sit down and tell them what I'm thinking with what's going on in the world and why it's important have the conversations, even if your friends or whoever, family members might think it's boring or uninteresting. Um, we all have something to learn nowadays and especially with everything going on. So that's my big takeaway, just have the talk, have the conversation. Amazing. So once again, thank you. Thank you. Um, and with that, we'll see you guys next week for our next episode. Bye. Bye-bye. And I said, mom, I am a rich man. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't have to marry one. So,